Okay, thank you so much for joining us at tonight's Hold On To Your Record Open Mic Poetry Slam. Our first poet is Josefina. This year's US Open has been absolutely crazy. We thought the players in quarantine were getting really lazy. But when they stepped out on the court, they proved they're the best in the sport. This year was kind of weird because there were no fans, which meant Alexander Zverev could work on his tan. We can't find the big three, so we searched the grounds. Two were at home, and one was defaulted in the early rounds. Djokovic was losing, so he hit a ball away. He hit a line judge and was kicked out that same day. While that happened, Osaka was completing a task. She wore the names for BLM every round on her mask. That's not all the news, there's still more to share. 11 players stuck in a bubble because of Benoit Pair. Azarenka and Zverev were both playing so well. It was in the last match that they finally fell. Of course we were sad we could not attend. Osaka and TM are the winners. The US Open has come to an end. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for tweens, teens, and other young tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravia. Shravia and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics, united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. All right, guys, so today is September 14th, and the U.S. Open has just ended, and it's bittersweet because it was a pretty awesome tournament, I think, to watch, especially after having no professional tennis for so long, but Josefina, boy, was that an emotional weekend. I mean, the entire tournament was pretty emotional for me, but this weekend really just put it over the top, especially starting with the women's singles final, I mean, if you haven't heard by now, Osaka has won one six six three six three. They both played an amazing match. It was actually a super exciting match, which we would have expected looking back at the semis because they like the women's semis were also just so entertaining and amazing, just super high quality tennis, which is something that honestly surprises everyone, especially since they're coming back from such a long break. Yeah, I think the women's semis were like top matches of the tournament, um, some of the top matches of the tournament, especially in the later rounds. But I think after the first set and after Osaka was down a break in the second, I was watching and I was like telling myself, oh, it's okay, Osaka's young, she'll have time to win more slams in the future, and Vika's just coming back from enduring so much in her own life. So it'll be nice if Vika takes it, cause I, cause it, it was, it was sad to see that the final was so one note. But then, just as Azarenka turned the match around in the semis against Serena, it's like Naomi did the same thing. It was definitely a different type of match, but if you look at just the scoreline and the main sort of monumental points of the match, the same thing happened, and she totally raised her level. And I think that third set was so competitive. They exchanged breaks a couple times. It looked like so Vika got back on serve 
and then she forced Naomi to, you know, serve it and break her again to take the title. But, you know, it was a roller coaster of a match, and it was like imagine if this were five sets long, right, Josephina? Like, it would have been so thrilling. But even as a three setter, it was amazing because, you know, in a five setter, you can lose momentum and then get back on track. But this three set match required a whole nother skill set from both of them. I just found it so incredibly ironic how it was the exact same score of the Vika Serena match. And then, I mean, of course, it's unfortunate for Victoria Zarenka, but I mean, this is amazing for Osaka. She's really just like proving her place in the top 10 and just taking what should be rightfully hers. I think, you know, as you said about Azarenka, this is huge for her. She was playing really well throughout both of these tournaments um, in the bubble. And I think that, you know, she's feeling good. She, she, you know, I think she has a lot to be proud of, obviously. Um, and she is definitely someone who is not going away anytime soon, and she's proven that. But I think Osaka really stepped up in the past two or three weeks as not only a tennis player worthy of carrying that baton for the next generation of female tennis players and of tennis players as a whole in terms of her tennis skill set, but also in terms of the type of leader she is in the social justice movement that she was able to bring to the table. Naomi Osaka single-handedly stopped play at the New York bubble for a day for both the men's and the women's tours. Yeah, just take a second to soak that in. You know... Pretty much the WTA, ATP, because they were part of the tournament, and the Western and Southern Open Committee, or whatever it's called, I honestly don't know, they were begging her to play, and instead of her not playing, they decided to stop the entire tournament. So she's really making a lot of change, and she's realizing it too, because she won't stop, and I think that's really great that she's using this momentum to grow even bigger. Yeah, and... Um, I got stressed towards the end of the second set, so I stopped watching for a bit. And then I look at my phone and Josephina texts me, like after I found out she won and was walking back to the TV, Josephina texts me and she's like, oh my god, I love how she laid down to soak it all in. Yeah, yeah, that was just an amazing moment. I, I thought it was really funny because she actually said that usually players just lay down as soon as they win but she decided to wait sit down cool down a bit and then do it because she wanted to risk she didn't want to risk injury yeah so I thought that was really funny and safe of her um but just that moment on the camera was amazing because just imagine what she's feeling winning her second U.S. Open third Grand Slam total just the energy she's creating all on her own because there's no fans. It's just her in the court alone, just her soaking it in. I thought that was just beautiful. Yeah. So I think that, you know, yesterday, Josephine and I were reflecting on the tournament, particularly the two singles finals. But um, let's switch gears into the match on Sunday, which was the men's singles final. Yeah, the men's singles final, TM won the entire thing. It was 2-6, 3-6, 6-4, 6-3, 7-6. It was such a long match. It seemed like it was never going to end, especially considering that the tie break in the last set went to 8-6. It didn't end at 7. So just like, it was complete torture for Shravi and I because we were watching together and it was just 
it was insane and so stressful. Yeah, I accidentally made a mistake typing down in our document. It was 4-6 in the second set. But, I mean, just as Josephine was saying, that comeback was incredible. And it shows you that both of these players deserved to be there. There was no question about that. I think people were saying that, you know, I, I don't think Zverev was playing his best tennis in the quarterfinals or the semis. But I think some of the tennis that he did bring out in the finals was pretty good. I mean, I think in the first couple of sets and in the fifth set, he really did start showing his better tennis. But you have to take a moment to think that these two players, the only two non-big three players to be both in a slam final since that Chilich-Nishikori final, the amount of stress that you must have to go through knowing that this is your first real big opportunity to get a slam, that is something that is very real to have to deal with in a match. So I think it's understandable the nerves that we saw on the court. Yeah, completely. Because I know we were watching and you could just see by the expressions on their face, it was just so much weighing down on them in those moments. I mean, also, <laughs> there was some problems with sweating and puddle- puddles oh being God, created yeah. on the court. And for a second, I thought they were peeing themselves. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> also, Josephina and I kept saying to me, there were times where Team looked like he wanted to cry, Zverev looked like he wanted to cry, and Josephine and I were like, I just want to give both of them a hug. And like we were like, can they both just win? Like, can, is that yeah. possible? <laughs> yeah. I think it was really well yeah. thought out. A lot of people have been saying it was like, an ugly win, you know, it's like neither of them played their yeah, best tennis. I saw that too. I, you know, just, I disagree. I, I, I just, I get it because, you know, it was nervy. You know, there were times where one player was playing normal and the other player really wasn't playing well or whatever. But I think that all things considered, sure, maybe it wasn't the best Grand Slam final we've ever seen, but it was a fight. It was well yeah, fought. Exactly. And it was two people, two players, two champions really showing that, you know, we can also mentally, the mental battle, we can also endure that in a Grand Slam final. And the, the, it, it was definitely something that I think we should take a second to appreciate. Like, winning a Grand Slam is not easy. Yeah. I mean, something else to appreciate, I think, is just... Because I know they were friends before, and just after the match, it was so sweet because they d- even did this, like, little handshake... That oh my god, don't even get started about that or else I'm going to start crying because the number of times I've seen that like little videos of that and stuff on social media, it's, it's really awesome. Yeah, I mean, the just speeches also. Oh, both of Can their we speeches. Can we talk about the speeches? Can, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think... Especially Sasha's, I mean, I was in tears. Yeah. <laughs> that his, was so emotional. His was really heartbreaking, especially when he started talking about his parents and his family, and then his brother tweeted out later about how he's so proud of um, Alexander. And even team speech, you could... T- team was like, Sasha, I, like, I know you're, gonna, you're definitely going to win big titles one day, and I think both of them proved that they can compete. You're not always going to be playing your best tennis throughout an entire tournament, right? Like, that's not always going to happen. But what matters yeah, is your ability if you're to compete. Watching, if you're watching tennis, I feel you have to, um, like, I don't know the word. You have to account for the energy that's being created on the court. 
which is the nervous energy that was being created by the two, because obviously, like we went over before, they were no nervous and for good reason. Yeah, it was, you know, all things considered, love the match or hate the match. It was, I think it was both of the sportsmanship they both showed, the grit that they both showed was really exemplary of what we want to see in our next generation of tennis players. So the men's and women's singles finals weren't the only finals this weekend. There was actually also the wheelchair women's singles final going on. And Didi Groot, she won the whole thing. And it's been three U.S. Opens in a row. I just, that's insane. Imagine, I cannot even imagine, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that was, that's an amazing accomplishment from her. And we were also talking about Kuniata and the Hewitt rivalry between the two in our last episode when we were previewing the final. And Kuniata took the men's singles wheelchair title against Hewitt, which was uh, also an amazing feat for him. And the winner of the U.S. Open quad singles was Sam Schroeder. And this was his Grand Slam debut, and he was given a wild card into the tournament, and he ended up taking the whole thing, which I thought was very impressive from him. I think he's going places. Yeah, I mean, it was a great tournament overall in terms of the quality of tennis. But, you know, when we talk about our overall thoughts on the tournament, I want to bring up the fact that not having the big three and so many of the top 10 WTA players are missing, sure, but that does not take away from the fact that so much amazing tennis was produced by those players and that both the winners and finalists and people who really performed well did it on their own merit. Yeah, I feel like this is also something that needs to be accounted for when we're watching tennis is that you cannot compare to the people who are the best at the time even if they're not in the tournament anything that happens in the tournament should be what is relevant but if they're not in the tournament I don't think it's fair to compare how they're playing because who knows maybe the big three well I guess um Federer and Nadal since Djokovic was playing um I think they also would have been a little rusty and I think that should be accounted for And I also think that the fact that these players came back from so many months off, practiced, stayed in this bubble, no crowds, totally different, nothing like they've ever experienced before, and team and Osaka were able to battle all that, especially Osaka with all she was doing in terms of racial injustice and being an athlete and an activist, to be able to go through and pull out that win is really something, especially also for Azarenka and Zverev, as well as Didi de Groot, Kunieta, Schroeder, all of the champions. This is, you know, really a feat in its own and is not does not demean the quality of their Grand Slam win whatsoever. Alright, so now we obviously had that whole after this whole weekend, it seems like this almost didn't even happen, but You know, we did obviously have that whole Benoit Pair 11 situation and all that. But all things considered, in terms of hosting a Grand Slam in a pandemic, in a city that was once the epicenter of the pandemic, I was pretty impressed by the USTA's ability to do so. I could not agree more. I think it was pretty, like, I think the word is miraculous because, I mean... Just the fact that they were able to produce this amazing tournament out of basically nothing, out of no tennis, out of 
rusty players out of I don't know, <laughs> no fans. It's just I think it's amazing what they were able to do. Yeah, and in a time not only of a pandemic but of um, intense social justice movements, the fact that they also used their platform to share those important messages, even while in isolation in that bubble, was also something to be commended. And I applaud the USTA for doing a great job of, you know, hosting this Grand Slam, and especially having New York as the place for tennis to really return was pretty amazing. Welcome to the Tennis Ball Frizz Quiz. This is our last one of the US Open, so it's a pretty important one. Maybe I'll catch up with Shravia, maybe I will What are the current standings? How much am I leading by, one point? I think two. Um, I can go first. All right. Okay. Number one, Dominic Thiem is the first man to come back from two two sets down in a U.S. Open singles final in the Open era. There are also records of players who have made the most comebacks from two sets down, and that record is 10. Which player is not part of the record holders? Is A, Roger Federer, B, Todd Martin, C, Aaron Krikstein, D, Boris Becker, or E, Andy Murray? I just added the last one because it barely counts. I don't like this question. It's too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's either Todd Martin or Boris Becker. Because I remember the day Murray beat Nishioka and said he was tied at 10 with Federer. I could be wrong, but... um, Todd Martin... You're right. I'm right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay, well, so we've both picked, like, one, like, general normal trivia question and one fun question. So that was, I guess, Josephina's general trivia. I'll do my general trivia one. No, that was my one. fun one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who was the first black American tennis player to make their Grand Slam debut at the U.S. Open? A, Lucy Diggs Slow. B. Arthur Ashe, C. Gerald Norman Jr., or D. Althea Gibson? I think I read somewhere like a couple of weeks ago that it was Arthur Ashe. It's actually Althea Gibson. Arthur Ashe. So then what did I read? (laughs) Well, Arthur Ashe was the first and only African American male tennis player to win the Australian Open, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open. So, it's like a similar statistic, like, fact. But Althea Gibson made her U.S. Open debut in 1950. Okay. Okay, so I'm still losing. (laughs) Okay, my next question is, if a player decides to bring a pet to the U.S. Open, they are usually allowed. Of course, this year there are special circumstances, but on regular circumstances, each pet receives its own guest credential complete with a lanyard and a picture. Who has yet to make an appearance? A. Sasha Zverev's Lovic. B. Serena Williams' Chip. C. Kevin Anderson's Lady Katie. Or D. Shop of Olives Nika. Um. Oh my god. I think it's D, Shop of Olives Dog. Yeah, that's right. 
Okay, but yeah, I th- I feel like I okay. So funny story. I went to like the U.S. Open qualifying week a couple years ago. It was when Zverev was like just coming onto the scene, and he was traveling with like his mom and everyone. He would always be with his dog, so I remember seeing him around the grounds with his dog. And I've seen Serena's dog on like TV practice sessions. And I remember at some point they were talking about Kevin Anderson's dog's name. That it was funny, but I could also be imagining that. But all right. For the chance to tie the score, here is your last question of the U.S. Open tennis ball. For the pressure is on. <laughs> it's basically Osaka versus Azarenka or team versus Zverev leveled pressure, right, Josefina? Oh boy, it's more than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you've been paying attention to the U.S. Open social media accounts, you've been seeing videos of pancake artist Nathan Shields whipping up pancake re- pancakes resembling 19 U.S. Open players. What is he known as, like his nickname? A. Pancake Man B. Flapjack King C. Crate Maestro or D. Chef Nathan I think it's the first one. You're correct. It's Pancake Man. (laughs) So we are tied for the second tournament in a row. Uh, no, we're not. Oh, no, we're not. Oh, oh. You win by two. I know, I win by one. Oh, whatever. I win by a very little amount. So I am the tennis ball frizz quiz whiz. Yeah, we get to crown the first tennis ball frizz quiz whiz. Say it with more enthusiasm, Shravya. Tennis ball frizz quiz whiz! (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of upcoming tournaments, including the Italian Open, the French Open, and updates on all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released at the end of this week where we will recap the Italian Open and provide a French Open preview. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravia. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Tom and Shravia's name is Bob. See you next time.